I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're talking about the new series of Stranger Things and the Marvel movie Thor Ragnarok. We've also watched the pilot of Amy Sherman Palladino's new series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. I don't know if you can tell that there's like a quality to my voice this week. Can you hear that? Mm. <laughs> Do you hear it? Well, I have spent the last, well, I've spent three nights out of the past six screaming at Harry Styles concerts because that's apparently the kind of person that I am these days, which has been amazing. It's been really great fun. So you've seen three gigs yeah, since Wednesday. Since I've Wednesday. Three <laughs> so on Wednesday, I went to Paris mm. for a show, which was amazing. And I feel like maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast because I didn't say it in my review, but I feel like we're all friends here on the podcast. So it's fine. I met him. I met <gasps> Harry Styles backstage at his show. <laughs> I was like living the skater boy Avril Lavigne lyric dream. <laughs> it was amazing. He was so nice. So yeah, I went to this show I really wasn't expecting to be able to meet him. I was in the queue for the toilet and the person I was with from his team like rang me like, where are you? And I was like, I'm in the toilet. And she was like, abort the toilet, <laughs> come to stage left. And I like went there and they were like, we're taking you through now. They like gave me the access all areas pass and like barreled me through. And then um, I got to speak to his team who were all like so, so nice, really lovely people. And then got to speak to Harry. And he gave me a little kiss on the cheek. Uh, yeah. So what did you talk to him about? Uh, I was introduced to someone who was like from London, who'd come all the way from London to review the show. And he was like, kind of, oh, I'll do my very best to impress. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and I was like, you could never disappoint me, Harry. No, I just, I kind of like was normal, too how, normal. How? I don't know. I was like screaming inside. You know, when you're like having a conversation and you're zoning out and you're like, oh no, got to pay attention mm -hmm. to what this person is saying. It was like that because I was just so stressed. And then this always happens to me as soon as it was over. I like struggled to remember what had actually happened. I mm. think my adrenaline was running so high. <laughs> so I was like, wait, did I imagine that? And also because he like at one point had his hand on my shoulder for a bit of time. And afterwards I was like, did I imagine it? <laughs> and then the, the person I was with was like, oh, I noticed that he put his hand on your shoulder. And I was like, yes, yes, that was real. <laughs> it was real. I didn't invent it. <laughs> so yeah, it was great. So what's the show like? It's so good. So it starts 
with like Harry being silhouetted from behind through the curtain. So you get this like James Bond light circle with his silhouette in and then the curtain falls <laughs> and obviously everybody goes completely mental. There are loads of like pride flags everywhere and he always brings one up on stage, which is really nice. It kind of starts with all the ballads. So he does like Ever Since New York, like those kinds of ones, Carolina, Only Angel is like the first kind of more upbeat mm. one. And then he does covers. So he does this one he did for Ariana Grande called Just a Little Bit of Your Heart, mm. which is really good. And then he does two One Direction ones, Stockholm Syndrome and What Makes You Beautiful. And then he does what is the most popular song of the night every time, Kiwi, which is this very silly song from the album. I don't know if you remember I that I don't one. really remember it. It's the one that goes, I'm having your baby. Oh, yeah. your business. And like the crowd cannot get enough of it and every gig i've been to they've just chanted like screamed like kiwi kiwi <laughs> kiwi at him until he does it again on wow. in the encore that's so interesting i i love hearing stuff like that like um i'm gonna reference the divine comedy again because this is my most gigged <laughs> yeah, experience <laughs> but um people do that with neil hannon yeah. with um he doesn't really do it anymore but he used to end every gig with this song called charge which is not a particularly good song it's not even that special live, mm. but it just has this really funny lyric where it goes like cannons to the left da, 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 and everyone like does a little dance when that happens. And if he doesn't do it, people just after he Go goes off, upset. people just go like charge, 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 yeah. charge until he comes back on to do it. Exactly. I love like esoteric live show things like that. It's like a, if we, it's almost like an in joke. I think mm, yeah. that song was kind of started. Uh, Harry says like, oh, yeah, that I wrote that song as a joke. Like mm. we know that the lyrics are a bit like off because it's kind of a weird misogynistic song people just love it i think because it's it's by far his rockiest song yeah. and that's what that's like literally what harry styles fans want they want to see him run around get really sweaty they want to jump up and down and scream so it's like perfect but it's amazing to see this room of like 19 year olds just like screaming and mosh pitting and like it's really really cool but it has got a bit out of control i don't know i worried that we're creating a monster because everyone's chanting like kiwi kiwi mm. until he does this like crazy rock song and he literally thinks he's like such a rock star <laughs> and i'm like yeah. what are we what are we doing this is dangerous but the last show i was at people started throwing actual kiwis onto the stage to try and get him to play it and he slipped on a bit of kiwi oh, no. and nearly like completely fell over like he did that one of those like what kind of like <laughs> semi-falls but lots of opportunities for comedy mm -hmm. he was in a good mood like making lots of jokes like that enjoying the kiwis on the stage so i went with my sister two nights in a row and both of us just really had a great time so is that it now or have you got more that's it i don't think okay. i could do any more i think i'd be <laughs> on the floor i was only going to do two and then it ended up being three and i was mm. just like whoa but yeah i know of people obviously doing an incredible number of shows so mm. i hope they enjoy the rest of this tour because this is very small venues this part of his mm. tour and then he's going on tour again again in like april i think to do much well a bit bigger venues yeah so if any listeners are going to harry styles gigs get in touch and tell us oh, your kiwi experiences please do caroline you've got actually way more exciting news <laughs> this is so I exciting i don't know if it's more exciting please. i like gasped i fully gasped about like 20 minutes ago in the podcast room hearing about this oh yeah by the way we are in the same room today listeners. i know it's so nice isn't it because uh, i am visiting london for some work reasons so i <laughs> popped into podcast in real life yeah so my exciting news is i'm getting a dog oh i want to die i wish you could see the pictures of the puppies that she showed us because they're just amazing yeah very very exciting the dog is currently five weeks old so oh. we have to wait like another four or five weeks until it's big enough to come home with us but yes tiny clumber spaniel is going to Clumber become Spaniel. my constant companion. Oh, 
that's just so great. So for context, a clumber spaniel looks like a spaniel crossed with an old, old man. <laughs> yes, they are like fluffy and a bit grumpy. Oh. And it is a sort of pedigree breed, but it's not a very popular or like super well-maintained one necessarily. Yeah. And because spaniels are meant to be gun dogs, like they're supposed to fetch the stuff after the posh people have shot the birds so they're trained to be not aggressive and to bring the birds back without eating them columbus spaniels are apparently quite good at this if you can persuade them to go outside in the first place uh. they're very stubborn and like loyal and will do the job once they've been given it but they'd much rather stay indoors and not get wet it sounds like your perfect companion to yes. be honest this is my hope can you tell our listeners that names in the works or is that a secret uh, i don't think i want to reveal that yet but we are still thinking about names so if anyone has any good like old man names for dogs it's gonna it's a boy dog then please send them in oh my god so exciting congratulations on the new member of your family thank you so (laughs) yeah seriously listeners look forward to frequent dog updates from now on because i am going to become one of those dog people i've already discussed with my boyfriend what we should do about the dog's social media presence oh are you gonna have a a dogstagram i don't know is that lame uh no I would say no. I follow every all of my friends who have a dogstagram. I follow. Yeah, I don't know because I can't. Like, I don't really use Instagram in a particularly organised or professional way. It's mostly just like pictures of things that have made me cross, <laughs> <laughs> and does not have many followers. So I don't know. Maybe that should just become the dog account. Maybe. Maybe yeah. I don't need to be there anymore. Ugh, fade into the background. <laughs> yeah, so, God, what a tumultuous week for yeah. Seriously. It's been a good week, though. Yeah, it's been a great week. Not least because this week, of course, marked the return of Stranger Things. So Stranger Things 2, as it's stylized, picks up one year after the end of the first series of the Netflix sci-fi horror show. It's now 1984 and the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana is slowly settling back down after the catastrophic events triggered by the goings-on at the sinister Hawkins lab. But the central characters, Will, Joyce, Jonathan, Nancy, Mike, Eleven and the others, are still alert to the dangers posed by the Upside Down. Very soon, their worst fears are realised. Oh, what a treat to have Stranger Things back. It's been fantastic. I've been so busy this week, but I've just eked out time wherever I can to watch it, like on trains, sleeping less. I don't care. Yeah, because obviously the hype grew and grew Mm. for Stranger Things the first time around. By the time everyone had finished watching it, it just kind of like lived on as a meme-like thing. Yeah, because of its very stylized 80s aesthetic and the fact that someone made a a generator where you could write any text in its title format that seemed yeah. to do a lot there was that whole period on twitter where everyone was like doing like weird memes. beans on toast <laughs> in like the stranger things yeah world. yeah and the characters i think are just so compelling like dustin was such a like standout character from that first yeah season. and of course so barb and barb and eleven has, mm. as a character herself like people did you get the press release about the fact that even though well, you've seen all of the second series. I am currently at the end of episode five. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Barb is definitely dead. Barb so, is gone. Like, she is not in, apart mm-hmm. from in, like, flashbacks or mm-hmm. Nancy's imagination. She is not in this mm-hmm. series. But the actor who plays Barb has still been doing, like, all media the promo. appearances. Yeah. So iconic is that character. Yeah. She did, like, a meet and greet in central London the day I it came saw, out. I saw, yeah. I saw people, like, posting pictures. And they were people were posting pictures kind of embarrassedly, like, mm. oh, lol. So you're like, own it. You've gone there to yeah. meet her. Own it. 
So it's kind of this weird level of pressure on the second season. I feel like watching the second season, I was kind of reminded of all the stuff I liked and didn't like about the first season. I remember doing some tweets, as one does, around the time of the first Stranger Things being like, oh, I've realized that I just like stuff without plots. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was like, I love Stranger Things, but I don't want there to be any monsters. I just want them to be like living their normal kid (laughs) lives. Which basically means I just wanted to watch Freaks and Geeks. But mm. there you go. <laughs> I love Freaks and Geeks. We'd seen The Cursed Child, which was great, apart from its appalling, appalling plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gilmore Girls was coming back and I was like, oh, I love Gilmore Girls because nothing ever happens. So for me, Stranger Things is like so good because of all the like the romances and the friendships and the like little character asides rather than because I'm like, oh, I wonder what shape the Demogorgon will now take. Yes, I completely agree that I was most interested for the second series to see like how how is Eleven doing? Mm-hmm. How is her relationship with Hopper? Like what's Joyce up to? Mm-hmm. Can Joyce ever find happiness? Yeah. You know? How are they coping with their traumas? Yeah, that's what I was interested in and yeah. like, you know, how is the AV club? Yeah, All exactly. That kind of stuff. Exactly. Can I just make a brief aside to ask you if you've ever watched Freaks and Geeks? I have not. I've been told many times that I should. I think get on it because I watched it years ago and I'm now watching it again and I'm like blown away by how mm. good it is because it's all on Netflix okay. so we should maybe make some time to do some free maybe let's stuff. put that on the future recommend list because yeah. yeah I'd like to do that all of that stuff is just so good right and I was so happy to see the four boys like it's so nice that now Will is obviously back even though I know there's loads of Will's having all these problems those couple of early episodes where you get to see them all like kind yeah. of squabbling about their Ghostbusters costumes and stuff oh that's just what I want it to be like all the time the sequence <laughs> where their mums all take photographs yeah. of them in their Ghostbusters Boxes costumes so is cute. so so good and there's this moment from the trailer where dustin turns around looking really horrified and like in the trailer you think there's some monster descending on the school mm. but what's actually happening in the episode is that he realizes they're the only one in costume that is a moment of horror in your actual life that feels like it's got like the horror music going and you're like gonna not be able to breathe because you're so embarrassed those are the little things that i love about strange things what did you think of steve this season i am really enjoying steve's development from like one dimensional high school jock into something more yeah there's a really great moment and i because i haven't watched the whole thing like i couldn't even spoil you if i wanted but let's remain moderately Mm. spoiler free if we Mm -hmm. can but there's a really great moment when dustin's like having this total crisis with something upside down related he dashes over to mike's house to try and get hold of him and like Mike's not there, Nancy's not there. What's he gonna do? And then Steve turns up with some yeah. roses to try and like win Nancy back, and Dustin's just like, "You'll do. Get in the car. Get in the car. <laughs> we we gotta go." And yeah. that I was like, "This is the moment when Steve levels up as a character." There's loads of great Steve moments with the kids. Basically, they just like they're like, mm, "We don't really want him around Nancy and Jonathan this season because we're like pushing that plot line. So we'll just put him with all those little kids <laughs> <laughs> the whole time." And it's just great. Absolutely live for that. He has so many great lines. One of them's he. he he goes up to the kids and he's like hey dickheads how come the only person helping me is this random chick like, <laughs> you're like lol yeah i don't know he's just so great and i liked sort of seeing babysitter steve mm. evolve even though he's terrible at looking after children it's just quite fun so the kids have got a new friend in the shape of max mm-hmm. who's a new character she mm-hmm. has arrived from california because mm-hmm. like family circumstance means she now has to live in hawkins and she's kind of a stereotype right she's just she like is a bit. she's the tomboy with a skateboard and she's like good at video games and they're yeah. like what mad max is a girl max but again i kind of love that stereotype it's kind of enjoyable to watch even if it's not got that much depth and she had some interesting 
lines like there's a bit where lucas like takes her into the back room of the arcade and like tells her everything that happened to mm. will but basically praises the first season for mm. her and at the end of it she's like mm, well it was quite good but it was a bit derivative yeah and i was like you are speaking for everyone who watched <laughs> yeah. first series of Stranger exactly. Things. Exactly, people love that kind of like meta moment yeah. in Stranger Things, where they like knowingly say to the audience, "Like, hey, 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 we, we know. love the eighties, right? We love the eighties. This is why there's this whole bit where Winona Ryder like solves something using VHSs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there yeah. is a lot, and so all of that stuff is still there. And there's even I genuinely got freaky deja vu from this. The bit where they exactly paralleled the opening of the first series yeah where the whole like where's will yeah is he not in his bedroom jonathan that bit and the phone going and stuff and then but this time he's just in the bathroom yeah that gave me the like looking spookily at himself yeah in a way that's kind of uncomfortable that gave me the jolt back yeah in the way that they intended it so i think stranger things works because you know what it's doing but Mm -hmm. you like it Mm -hmm. totally and if you asked me to spoiler you the whole plot with like the monsters and stuff I don't know if I could do it that well because that's just not the stuff that I'm paying attention Mm. to. But the other stuff is so good that I kind of don't care. Yeah. It's a world that I like spending time in. And I'm interested, for instance, I've just this morning spent quite a long time while having my breakfast discussing with one of my friends how we think the character of Bob, who is Joyce's like current boyfriend, is he going to turn out like... Are you worried about him? Well, I'm torn between thinking that either he's the guy who dies in the first five minutes of the horror film because he's too nice to live, or he's so nice because he's actually a monster. In episode seven of nine, he's going to be revealed as like secretly an alien in human clothing. It's funny when you meet Bob and you know that it's got to go one of those two ways because yeah. he's like a super lovely guy, but also kind of coming between whatever this Joyce Hopper thing is. So you're yeah. like... You're not long for this world in your current iteration, are you, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, mate. Either you are evil or you you just have to die because you're too nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Bob. It's a great show, even though you kind of can see all those flaws. Mm. Like the punk episode that you, ha- you won't have seen yet, but there's an episode full of punks and they're like so cartoonish <laughs> and dumb and stupid. And you're like, this is just not what punks are like. But cool. I'm having a lot of fun and I'm enjoying the soundtrack. And like, mm. it's just, I'm liking, liking the outfits, even though they're kind of stupid. So yeah, Stranger Things, man. Can we just have Stranger Things that's actually Freaks and Geeks and then I'll never watch anything else ever again. <laughs> yeah, long may it continue. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now we're going to talk about Thor Ragnarok, which is a superhero film set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It focuses on Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, who goes up against his sister Hela, played by Kate Blanchett, in a deadly fight for the safety of his planet Asgard. The film also marks the first movie appearance of Valkyrie, played by Tessa Thompson, and sees Mark Ruffalo, Tom Hiddleston and Benedict Cumberbatch reprise their MCU roles as the Hulk, Loki and Doctor Strange. I totally forgot that Benedict Cumberbatch was in the film until oh, I read that bit. <laughs> me too. I, I felt actually felt really bad when I saw that, because I suggested that we do this. And when I was in the cinema and Benedict Cumberbatch, I was like, oh, I feel so bad. I made Anna watch the film with Benedict Cumberbatch. In. I'm such a bad person. <laughs> she knows all about my hatred. Poor Benedict Cumberbatch. He's never done anything to hurt me and I just can't stand him. Also, it was just such a random cameo. I know th- why they do this with the Marvel yeah, Cinematic it's Universe. A, it's a draw, isn't it? It's a draw, like people who are particular fans of that comic and that character and also they contract the actors for like x Mm. number of films but then don't specify what the films are so sometimes Mm. they just have to like use them randomly Mm -hmm. in films which is apparently why you often get like random iron man cameos in other films because iron man 3 was so bad that like not sure they they can make make another one but they still have to use up his his contract that's so funny Uh, so that's you know that's why benedict cumberbatch has got like x number more marvel films he's signed up for and they have to put him in them but he's like he's just in this film for less than five minutes doing some magic tricks and it's totally incidental and annoying yeah i felt like this film is so bizarre right Mm -hmm. so i think we've maybe discussed this film a couple of times on seriously we've definitely i feel like at some point discussed taika watiti who's Mm. the director from new zealand who's directed this movie and his other movies are like what we do in the shadows which is like this kind of mockumentary about vampires okay and it stars like some a lot of the people from flight of the concords which taika watiti who directed an episode of and he has worked with them before one of them is in it yeah as the stone guy yeah exactly it's that very off kilter um like almost office-esque mockumentary humor and there was a trailer for this movie released that was like a mockumentary about like thor having nothing to do and like getting a boring office job Mm. and like sending emails to people like if you have any secrets you want to tell me about the you know the end of the world then hit me up because not got a lot on at the moment (laughs) (laughs) and it's really funny but like so not from what I can tell, not that I'm a huge um, Marvel Cinematic Universe person, not really the tone of Mm. what these films normally are. Yeah, I think a lot of people felt like that. There was another trailer for this film that a lot of 
women I know from Tumblr got very excited about because with the ACDC soundtrack with the ACDC soundtrack and because this is definitely a departure for Marvel in the sense that they had two major female characters in like combat roles Mm -hmm. in this film Mm -hmm. there wasn't just like Pepper Potts there was actually Valkyrie and Hela like major superhero characters and also because in the comics Valkyrie is bisexual and Mm -hmm. is like explicitly written as a queer character I think I'm right. Correct me if I'm wrong there. I've definitely heard that. And so people were really excited that she was in this film. Mm. And Tessa Thompson has addressed this on Twitter. Like she said, that's part of the reason why she was excited to play the character, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't touch on that yeah, at all. Yeah, not at all. In this it, film. We, we had a conversation about that beforehand and I was like kind of waiting for that yeah. to happen. And then it never did. She's kind of a romantic interest for Thor, although it never really actually goes anywhere. It's yeah. unclear whether that and is actually what they're doing. That but. is annoying. So, and um, I didn't really get to talk to them so I don't want to like attribute definite motives to them but I went to see this film like the day it came out in a big multiplex in Liverpool the screen was a massive screen it was completely full Mm. but sat next to me were a lesbian couple Mm. who before the film started were talking exclusively about how excited they were to see Valkyrie Mm. and I was like I feel like you were badly served by this film yeah if you were really into this character and that aspect of her story they just what do they call it it's sort of like queer baiting isn't it like this is the thing because you don't want her to have like a lesbian kiss just for like no like a to turn on male viewers and b just to so like they can they can say that they've yeah. done it without actually having to like include a character properly in the script include a queer character in a in a meaningful way but you also don't want them to sell the film in any way based on that and then mm. not include it properly because that is when it starts to feel a bit uncomfortable isn't it there was definitely some discussion when that trailer came out that they made it look like hella and valkyrie were like potentially a pairing that you could oh, ship right so like because they have the past but their past is just like she killed people yeah. i love rather than like anna also we had sex exactly but, yeah and then that actually that's not really in the film yeah. at all no. i sort of can't be bothered to try and summarize the plot of this film for you listeners if you want to go and see a superhero movie with <laughs> lots of like punching and flying and explosions it will give you all of those things but also i don't think like the creators of this film could be bothered to summarize the plot (laughs) for you the plot is not important and weirdly watching this i felt like it was a bit more like watching a series of comedy sketches that were like about parodying Mm. superhero movies because i feel like obviously the best thing about this film is that it is genuinely really funny yeah it is i like laughed loads (laughs) and i don't normally go to a superhero film and laugh once obviously there's lots of comedy in superhero movies but that is normally kind of very 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 basic very kind of like wait the woman is strong mm. that kind of comedy and you're like cool like i really enjoyed some of the running jokes in this like for instance you know if you've seen the avengers films that loki often does this thing where he instead of having his real self be somewhere he uses a kind of ghost version of himself mm. while his real self is like off doing bad stuff and so thor has learned from the first avengers film where he got tricked by that and now every time loki appears he throws something at him to check if he's solid mm. and i just really enjoyed seeing tom hiddleston like have Get bricks bounce off him <laughs> that was really funny yeah and just like really juvenile stupid things like they have a a bit called get help Mm -hmm. where thor runs in with loki like bleeding on his shoulder or like just like slumped on him and goes like please get help my brother and then like throws him at people (laughs) and then they fight and win yeah Yeah. it's just like stupid but really funny and it's also more of a tone thing and i haven't seen the other thor films so i don't know how much this is written into the character anyway but the character of Thor is just like always speaking in this slightly kind of like almost semi-ironic register or like semi-parodic register where he's like, set, you know, being like, 
I wanted to be a hero or something, but it's just so overdone. And it's like a spot on comic performance from Chris Hemsworth. He's amazing in this movie. It's so funny. I feel like, so I haven't seen the Thor movies either, but I have seen the Avengers films Mm. that he's in. And I feel like that self-awareness has grown through the performances because I think in the first Avengers film, he's mostly just a foil for... Robert Downey Jr.'s like super smart Tony Stark Iron Man who mm. just takes the piss out of him as like heroic moron all mm. the time. So I think he's like gradually developed into like having his own awareness of that mm. and the character is improved because of that. Yeah. And so many great comic performances like Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> so funny. Really funny. Just like bizarre kind of understated villain. You know, a little bit camp, a little bit silly. I just, I don't know, Tom Hiddleston I found really funny. Like, he's not someone that I would have thought would be super funny, but all of it. And um, what, which, which Flight of the Concords member is it? He's playing the... Oh, I the, can't remember the their names. guy. The kind of, like, rock man. Mm. Really, really funny. And that, that to me, is, like, the, the typical Taiki Watiti humour. But it's just so... Yeah, I don't know what to say about it, because it's kind of... It's very imperfect as a movie, mm. and it kind of, like, doesn't make sense... And it doesn't, like, all the little scenes don't really stitch together very well. But I kind of didn't care because I was just, like, genuinely, like, laughing and it it surprised me. And you never get that when you go to a superhero movie. I would be quite interested to hear from any listeners who are, like, diehard MCU fans. Mm. How did this film, like, serve you Mm. and what you want from it? Because I enjoyed it as, like, light entertainment. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if you are genuinely interested in like the development of the franchise and its plots yeah what did it achieve for you yeah because like the plot is is bizarre because it's like oh thor ragnarok is a thing and then they're like they barely mention it and occasionally thor is like i must stop ragnarok and you're like really i thought you were just like trying to like get out of this kind of other situation where every everyone's dying and then at at the end again they're like ah remember ragnarok let's do that yeah (laughs) and you're like what the worst bits of the film actually are towards the end where it becomes clear that he cannot save asgard from the various villains yeah and then he realizes that actually he must like let it be destroyed and that's how the villains are defeated yeah and so he instead he must save all the people so it's like a big like refugee evacuation Mm. and then they're on this massive spaceship with all the people and he's like asgard is not a place it's a people and then you the shot pans around you're like yeah it's about 200 200 people people. yeah it's (laughs) It's bizarre it's really bizarre in scale idris elba Mm. what character was he playing (laughs) it was like bizarre he was like man walking through corridor with sword (laughs) i know that was a very odd cameo yeah is is he getting his own film maybe is he i don't know it was very odd it's just like ah yeah i don't know so yeah super weird film but one i would actually genuinely recommend and if you enjoyed the humor of it then we should check out taiki watiti's other work So last week I recommended that Caroline watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is an Amazon Prime pilot that's getting a full series that comes out in just a couple of short weeks, directed, created by Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband, Dan Palladino, creators of Gilmore Girls, a massive, seriously favorite. So this is 1950s New York City. Mrs. Maisel is a happily married mother of two. 
Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's such a gendered way to talk about somebody, but... But that's kind of the role she starts in, right? Yeah, exactly. Is she's an educated Upper West Side Jewish woman who's like married her perfect man and had her perfect wedding yeah. and lives her perfect life. And uh, is it like the, the the rabbis finally coming to theirs for Christmas? For Yom like, Kippur. Yeah, for Yom Kippur. Obviously not Christmas. <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. So it's like a big... I don't know. She's like ticked all the boxes in her life. And she, yes. everything's gone as perfectly as it could. And they kind of illustrate this by her like going to bed with a perfect face of makeup and then like sneaking off, washing off, getting into bed, waking up before her husband wakes up, putting on a perfect face of makeup and getting back into bed. So she's so obsessed with having the perfect life that it's like taking over in like a slightly ridiculous way. And her husband's a stand-up comic and she's very, very supportive. Well, he's uh, an amateur stand-up comic. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, he works in some unspecified corporate office type job, but he really wants to be a stand-up comic and she helps him. Like she sweet talks the guy at the Greenwich Village cafe to give him a better stage time and she makes brisket to tempt him to like get her husband on stage earlier. And she's very like supportive of mm-hmm. his his attempts but then it all unravels quite quickly Mm -hmm. because it turns out her husband is a really bad stand-up comic yeah he's nicking jokes from more famous people and when he tries to do any material of his own it just completely pans and then after a particularly bad night at the club he this is the bit that i found completely hilarious he packs her suitcase yeah (laughs) and leaves her for his secretary yeah and we get like a tiny little clip of the secretary at earlier points don't we and she's like doesn't know how to sharpen a pencil which is like a slightly you know obviously vaguely misogynistic portrayal of a secretary but it's also just that feeling of like oh i'm like this amazing perfect smart i've like done everything for you and you still are gonna leave me for Mm. a younger model thing that does genuinely happen to lots of women yeah and i love the moment where she realizes that her husband is or she doesn't quite realise that her husband is nicking jokes because she sees a more famous comedian doing his sets and she's like, oh my God, he's stolen your set. It's, isn't that so outrageous? Uh, and also he's doing it faster, which is actually, that's kind of better. Maybe you should do that. <laughs> and it's that like, oh, not only is he nicking jokes, he's doing them worse. And yeah. also it just felt like a little nod to Amy Sherman Palladino fans because obviously she's really known for writing this super fast dialogue and it's like the faster pace is much better. Well, um, Mrs. Maisel is very fast talking. Exactly. She's yeah. a very, she's a typically Amy Sherman yeah. Palladino kind of like strong brunette, fast talker, very, very witty character. And she's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely love this pilot. And I have to say, I watched it twice because... <laughs> I'm no like TV expert. I don't write about TV full time or anything, but I think this might be like the best pilot I've ever seen, like as a pilot. Mm-hmm. It's so tight, it's so well structured, but it contains so much. Like I can imagine if I was a TV executive and I watched this, I'd be like, I could commission three series of this right now and she would not run out of storylines. Exactly. It's so, so well done. And it's just that one of the signs I think of a great pilot when it takes it with you so much that you don't quite realise what it's doing. So mm. I was watching it and I was like hang on, this actually doesn't seem super feminist. This seems like a bit, wait, is she meant to bend over for her back backwards for her husband like this all the time? And like, when she, I was like, wait, this character doesn't have any flaws. Like, this is annoying that she like has no flaws. Mm. Like, how am I going to relate to this person? I'm like terrible. Um, <laughs> and then obviously it all kind of comes collapsing down around her and you're like, oh yeah, oh, that's what like, she did. this is what we're doing. Yeah. Because yeah. then after he leaves, she has a, like total crisis she drinks all the Yom Kippur wine and she goes down to the club where her husband had been doing stand-up to get her brisket dish back mm-hmm. 
to get her Pyrex, as she yeah. says. <laughs> Love a Pyrex. And she ends up wandering on stage. In a sort of slip, kind of. In her like, nightdress and a coat mm. with her bottle of wine and her hair all wet. And she starts ranting about what's happened to her and sort of accidentally does a really good comedy set. Mm-hmm. And a woman who works at the club, like corners her and is like as she bails her out of jail after she gets arrested for flashing her boobs during her set mm. but is then like you were really good like i think you could really make something of this yeah let's, she's a great character too let's work on this and that i was like aha this here we is, go here we go the like, beginnings of a double act the beginnings of a beautiful friendship yeah and i love that feeling of um we've talked about this in reference to happy valley which is obviously a totally different kind of show and i think you also get it in the best moments of game of thrones where you feel like of course, this is like an inexorable plot. Mm. There's nothing can stop this moving to this point. And you get that feeling when you meet this amazing, funny, sparkling character and this microphone alone on a stage. And as the episode keeps going forward, you're like, she is going to go up to that microphone. Yeah. She has to. That's where she's headed. Point. Yeah. And I love that feat when it, when it finally, she like walks, she ends up walking back into that club, drunk out of her mind after all this stuff's happened. And you just see her someone's meant to go on and they're not going on and you're just like yep here we go here we go she's gonna take the mic she's gonna take the mic and i love that feeling in tv it's such a dense text this pilot i feel because Mm -hmm. um when i watched it the second time i was like oh i see what she did there because she has her big meltdown on stage at the end in her like impromptu set and it mirrors the very opening of the episode which is a very clever piece of exposition where it's Mrs. Maisel's speech at her own wedding, which is unconventional in itself that a 50s woman would make her own speech at her wedding, Mm -hmm. where she recaps for you like her life to date and how she met her husband and all the rest of it. But she does it like standing alone on a stage with a microphone, wearing her perfect wedding dress on her perfect day, looking amazing. And then you get the mirror image of that at the end where she's like, everything is fucked, but I'm still here talking into a microphone. Yeah, that's so true. It's so clever. Yeah. I love that feeling when you watch something and you're like, oh, hang on. There are a lot. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of amazing detail. Like when you know Mm. you're reading a rich text or whatever, as you call it, like that's a great feeling. I also only spotted the second time I watched it through that the comic that her husband takes her to see when they're still at college is the same guy who she gets bailed out at the same time as. Yeah, yeah. The guy that she sees in jail. The guy that she That's sees what, in jail. He's obviously going to recur yeah. as it goes on. And the one who she asks, like, do you love doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for the full season, which yeah. comes, I, yeah, I think in a couple of weeks to Amazon Prime. So we'll, I think we'll probably re- revisit it, won't we? Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely going to be watching it. So for next week, we thought we might follow up on the Taika Waititi theme from Thor Ragnarok via an email from Penn, who says... Long time listener, first time emailer. Love listening from the Antipodes. Have found lots of recommendations and affirmation from your pod, from all the 1D adoration to the sheer in disdain. Yes, truth. You've also given my dad and I our favourite TV show, Detectorists. Yes, that's such a great father-daughter. Yes. I love it. So she says, in return, she'd like to give us a recommendation. Taika Waititi's previous to Thor film, Hunt for the Wilder People. She says, it's the funniest and most heartwarming movie I've seen in years. It's an utter delight at the same time as tearing at your heart. It is the perfect exploration of New Zealand humour and by extension Australian. An absolute belter to watch in preparation for Ragnarok. I have seen this and I might give it a rewatch because I think I saw it maybe like nine months to a year ago and absolutely loved it. It is really funny and like Penn says, kind of really grabs at your heart at the same time. So 
This is so exciting. She also ends her email by reminding us that Taika Waititi is extremely handsome and tells <laughs> us to get to his Instagram, uh, which is true. Uh, so much to consider for next week. Yes, I'm really excited to watch this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you enjoyed on the show we love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.